0: Hello, this is Brian Wampler with another episode of the Chasing Tone Podcast, the podcast about guitars and amps and effects, as well as a healthy dose of interesting off-topic discussions. And back again today is my good old buddy Blake Weiland from the awesomely amazing podcast called The Tone Mob. I know you have subscribed to The Tone Mob at this point because he's on here every week and he's way more interesting than I am. Blake, how are you doing?
1: <laughs> I don't know if I'm more interesting than you are. <laughs> i'm pretty much just a dude
0: just a dude in a shack i get it i get it man you've had some uh you've had some very interesting guests on the tone mob lately though You're killing it as they say
1: i oh man i don't want to speak too soon but i've got a guest coming up that i'm very excited about and t swift it, it's a well i'd be stoked to talk to taylor you know why not she she plays guitar she, yeah. she could be a fun, she could be a fun hang. She seems like a fun person to hang out with, if I'm being totally honest. She I does. honestly
0: haven't read anything. I mean, I, I actually know the guitar tech for her, but well, that's or, cool. or for I don't know if it's for her or for the guitar players in the band. So I mean, no, you know, bad feelings or anything, but I just I don't really look for interviews on Taylor. So but I have mad respect for her. She's obviously built something from the ground up. Um, you know, with some financial help, of course, cause that's just the way a lot of these things work out, but still she built it from the ground up and look where she put herself. You know, it's the, um, uh, it's a thousand true fans thing, right? You just keep growing that and keep getting it bigger. And, uh, those thousand fans can turn into 10,000 fans and even a hundred thousand fans. And if each of those 100,000 fans pay you a hundred dollars a year for something, whether it's shirts or concert tickets or whatever, you're doing pretty good for yourself.
1: Yeah, I would say she's doing she's doing well. You know, one of the I'm not like a Swiftie or anything. Well, maybe I'm becoming one because is that a thing? Some of the things she
0: is that the yeah, term? Yeah, yeah, that's
1: the Swiftie. That's the term. Yeah, Swifties. I didn't yeah.
0: know that. That's a gas station here in Central Indiana. <laughs> Seriously, Swifties gas. station, I'm being serious. Yeah, I didn't know that. Pump your gas for you that. and everything, which is common where you are. I know, not common here in Indiana.
1: Yeah, they do that everywhere here. Everywhere pump gas. You just sit in your car. You just chill, listen to your podcast, and a nice Oregonian person will come pump your gas
0: for you. It's just how we do it here. That's not how we do it here, my friend. I'm sorry.
1: Unless I'm driving my Camaro, in which case I say, give me that. I'm doing it. (laughs) Do not touch. (laughs) What is it,
0: 69 or 68?
1: 69. Yeah, 69. (laughs)
0: 69.
1: (laughs) I let a guy pump it one time, and he's, you know, people aren't used to the old cars and how they like some of them fill behind the license plate or another right. places. Did he rip
0: off your license plate?
1: <laughs> he well, he you know, he had a job to do, so he's not used to having to stand there with right. the with the thing the whole time. So he jammed it in there and I was like, What is he doing? And then I heard him like trying to get it out, and I was like, Just just stop everything that you're doing right now. Let me
0: <laughs> No, no, no. Get back away back away from the Camaro. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, so I, I pump that one and I and I, I've received literally zero pushback, even though it's technically illegal. Uh every time I get because I gotta go out there and unlock the gas cap anyway. It's got a key in it. And then I just stand there or like kneel there and like just like give me the and just hold my hand out. I'm like I'll I'll handle this for you.
0: Like, it's fine. <laughs> That's awesome. <man>. So <laughs> yeah. anyways, you're but, talking uh, about.
1: Oh yeah, Swifties. That's I was like, how do we get to talking about this, Swifties? <laughs> so yeah, um, that's the the what the fans of of Taylor are known as. But I really like some of the things she's done. So like, she's done a handful of things like this for different places in Nashville. But you know, when this COVID stuff all started, Nashville was locked down, and there's a really iconic record store there called Grimey's, and I've been there. It's a really cool record shop, and they obviously were struggling cuz they had to shut down and she covered all of the employee salaries for oh, wow. whatever like a couple months or a month or something just to like help the business like stay afloat and everything and i was like i was like that's what's up right there yeah. you know Very cool. She's done a handful of things like that over the years. So I'm like, you know what? I think she's probably a pretty cool
0: person. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. I, I didn't know that. And I I, honestly, in my opinion, the fact that I didn't know that actually makes it cooler because her publicist could have very easily just put that everywhere. You know, it would have been in the front page of, or on the, on the front of the newsfeed for everyone in Facebook and Instagram, but she didn't, you know, and that's kind of, I, I like that. Mad respect for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She just kind of did it. I think Grimey's talked about it and that's why it got picked up. But like, I, I didn't see anything from her about it. So
0: yeah. Mad props to Taylor on that one. All right. So I saw, uh, I saw on, I think it was a Facebook group. I think it was, I'm going to say it was gear talk, praise and worship. I think you said, um, apparently, elixir strings are kind of uh p- dividing people politically not in a true political sense but politically among guitar players meaning some love them some hate them and you have a a take on this especially because you're you are very closely tied to uh the string industry as i understand
1: yeah 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 i've talked about this more and more like i'm am- heavily involved over at string joy i went down there and helped up their helped set up their initial machines when they first like got their factory in nashville up and running and scott's the guy i'm closest to in this industry by a long ways and as such i've learned a tremendous amount about strings that i didn't i things i didn't even know were things to know but uh yeah so i have some insight into Some things, and some of it's speculation, some of it I know for sure, but I'll always let people know when I'm speculating or versus knowing something. But Elixir seems to be like the most polarizing string brand out there. People either love Elixir or they hate them. They don't really have a lot of in-between. And I've wondered something about it. So they have a couple different coatings, and I don't know. It's still across the board where people do or do not like them. But what I can't figure out is where elixirs are made, like the actual strings themselves. They say they're manufactured in the USA, which I have no reason not to believe that, but there's a handful of manufacturers that could be making them, and everyone does things a little bit differently, believe it or not. So, like, if you really don't like one brand over the other, there there could be very, you know, very valid reasons for that based on how they manufacture so what I was wondering is, does Elixir potentially get strings from basically wherever they can buy them from, apply their coding, and put their brand on it? And that's why we see a variation in why people love or hate them. You know, I like because the strings themselves might potentially be coming from different sources and people have varying experiences with them instead of like a solid, consistent uh, brand experience I don't know I don't know where they're made it seems to be like a great mystery on the internet like who's making them some people say it's Dario, and they're very adamant about that some people say no I heard GHS was doing it and there do just mean? doesn't really seem you to mean, be any con-
0: you mean GHS I don't think <laughs> is not Josh- what I said I don't think Josh Scott makes guitar strings I thought I said GHS. Maybe I didn't. Sorry. I, I thought you said Josh GHS. Sometimes. So if, if we if you said GHS, then everyone just knows that I'm an idiot. That?
1: Or I was talking too fast. Or <laughs> mumbling <laughs> or any any number of things. But yeah, GHS um is the other source that you see named occasionally. And I know both of those those places do sell white label strings. Both of those entities you can if you wanted to start a string brand, you could purchase directly from them and put them in a different package and say, this, these are the Wampler
0: strings if you wanted to. Um, these have the most but, twang of everything. Guaranteed, yeah. to, guaranteed to sound like Brad Paisley whenever you combine it with the Paisley drive.
1: <laughs> guaranteed. There's no way guaranteed. you won't
0: sound like Brad. Exactly. It's impossible. <laughs> if but, you give him your guitar with these strings and that pedal, it's going to sound like Brad Paisley. <laughs>
1: Believe it or not, we were actually working on some strings that could probably be con- considered like twang machines. Like, re- basically, I was like, I don't think anyone that plays single coils should use these. These these should be a humbucker only thing because they were so bright. To, I don't I, know if we'll yep. end up doing any. I get yeah. it. I that's, don't know if we'll end up doing a, anything with them
0: though. That's how boomers always felt with me Um, in a way. But you know me, like I I like that twangy type of thing. So Mm -hmm. with boomers, at least traditionally, I would love about the first five minutes, (laughs) maybe 10 minutes. And then after that, it just seemed like they were starting to get a little bit more evened out. And that's when I like it just uh, I didn't like the inconsistencies as far as that, which is why I use elixirs, because they sound pretty much the same for a longer period of time. And I can just kind of compensate with everything else, you know? It's it's just a little bit less guesswork for me. We'll be right back. Is real music dying? What even is real music and who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician and together we've been making music for over a decade. In our new podcast, we dare to ask the urgent, the weird and the deep questions. And we have a lot of wild stories to tell. No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer, or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in and go follow Mab Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's the one thing that Elixir does really well. Whatever their coding is made out of and the technology they based that on it's they're they they sound exactly how they sound for quite a while until things start to wear off right that's i mean that's honestly i think the only reason i would use them is if i was a real sweaty corrosive player like we we definitely see people who like i played one gig and now my strings are rusty and it's because the ph of their sweat is just weird and eats stuff (laughs)
0: very true it's not always the strings fault but the strings are metal so that can happen but generally uh yeah it's usually like you said it's due to the person and their chemicals coming out of their pores and mixing in with that string right
1: so yeah that's that's a huge huge factor but the other thing is is if you keep your strings clean like if you use a string cleaner or even just wiping them down like even if you don't have any cleaner available just wipe them down with a dry cloth In between playing, you're going to get way more life out of your strings than you would if you just do what I do and leave my dirty, greasy hands stuff all over them and uh, just let them do their thing, which is what most people do. And that's totally fine. But you you clean your strings regularly, you will get a lot more life out of them because I know a lot of people wish they could have that elixir string life, but they don't really like how they feel. Uh, just keeping things those things clean is going to get you a long ways for
0: sure. Have you ever been a finger ease user? Are you familiar with that a little spray and spray on your fretboard and strings and such?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: I used to, yeah, I used to I, uh, love that stuff.
1: I do like that stuff. I I uh, I haven't used it in quite a while, but I remember really enjoying that kind of that slickness.
0: Before that, as a as a mere child, I used this is probably this is probably terrible for guitar. I used to take lemon pledge and just cover my fretboard, both front and back, completely. Um, my hands always smelled like lemons, so that is the plus. The mm-hmm. down the downside is that my hands always smelled like lemons. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: You but know, I don't really well pledge. Yeah, probably not pledge. I, I was gonna say lemon if, oil is a thing that people use, but I don't know
0: about pledge. Yeah, probably should have used lemon oil, but my uh, my mother bought pledge, so that's what I had to use. And I would I would coat it, you know, like it was like it was grease. <laughs> you know, just a big layer of pledge on it, and it would get a uh, it, it would it would definitely change the sound of the strings. <laughs> I'm sure it did. I'm I'm sure it did.
1: You know another <laughs> another interesting method for maintaining slickness employed by none other than Neil Sean of Journey.
0: Hello, Neil. Hello.
1: This is a real thing. I've seen the photographs. I've seen I've seen the evidence. He keeps a plate of salami uh, around, and he just rubs his hand in that salami, and then goes out and plays, and just just keeps his hand coated in salami grease. For those lightning licks of Mr. Sean's.
0: No. Yeah,
1: Yeah, for real. For real? Yeah. Yeah, that's a real thing. I don't know where he learned that from. I think I heard a rumor that he picked that up from some old blues players, but I don't know that for a fact. But I do know that I have seen images of the plate of salami on his amplifier and near where he would go to, I don't know, wipe his hand on it, I guess.
0: So so I have to ask, why is Salami Ease, or something like that, um, not a product that a string company would would make now? Because if Neil's made that popular, and he's proven it for years, right? If that is a thing, that's the next product that someone needs to make. Salami Ease, you're welcome.
1: Well, I don't think that he's necessarily made it popular i don't know of anyone else that does it so um, it's time to bring uh, it to
0: the masses neil it's time to bring it to the masses
1: I mean, why would you want to buy a product called salami ease when you could just buy salami and then eat it between between
0: songs, you know oh, what I mean? You, hold, hold on. Have you maybe your fingerboard's different than mine, but there's so much gunk that gets collected on my fingerboard, and especially adding salami juice on top of it. <laughs> I can't imagine the, what's in those crevices, the the bacteria and the salmonella that's in those crevices of the fretboard. I just can't picture it. I am picturing, though, uh, you know, you got sweat in your eyes, and then you rub your eyes, and you're like, ah, salami sweat, ah,
1: <laughs> I mean, I think if you're the type of person who's doing that, bacteria, it's not high on your list of concerns. <laughs> I think that's, that's probably something you don't put – a whole lot of thought into on a regular basis. That's my assumption. I could, could be, be wrong true. about that.
0: And, you know, uh, not, you know, this isn't directed towards Neil at all, but a lot of guitar players, especially in the 80s, um, may have used alcoholic substances that would probably kill a lot of that bacteria, I suppose. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Oh, interesting. Good time. Neil is
1: a phenomenal player, though. So,
0: I mean, you know, what do we know about it? Yeah, he really is. Very much so. Has he ever made a solo album? Not that I'm aware of. Me either. I wonder why. Because he's actually a great guitar player. You know, no matter what you think about Jeremy the band, he's a great guitar player.
1: Could call it Neil and the Salami singers. I don't know.
0: Neil Sean and my favorite tones over salami. I don't know.
1: <laughs> oh man, I do like salami. I'm not gonna lie. I bought some fancy salami yesterday for my dinner, and uh, I have a little bit left over. I'm really excited to go eat the
0: rest of it. A little salami. But I'm not gonna cheese. rub a little cheese in there. Mm. Oh yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. A little pate to go along with it. Why not? Let's get real fancy up in here.
0: <laughs> boutique. It's
1: boutique salami it kind of is actually there's a small uh small but pretty well-known meat uh cure i guess you would call them called olympia provisions here in portland and uh their products are amazing they're mm. absolutely incredible i'm gonna go eat some as soon as i'm done recording this so anyway what else do
0: we got well so i saw a comment let me uh let me pull it up real quick I think it was, I want to say it was on YouTube, but I don't recall for sure. So let me see here. Nope. It was Facebook. Um, and someone said, this might've been on the Wampler tone group. A uh, person said, I'll use a clean blend compressor most of the time for my clean tones, but I always shut that off for my dirt tones because dirt is compression. Um, kind of, but nah. Yeah. Yes, but no. It, it I would say, uh, you know how we talk about mp3s being compressed yes but it's not like pedal compression it's right that would kind of be analogous in a way so it's not like with a dirt circuit there's several things going on and depending on the type of circuitry here and i promise i'm not going to get way off in the weeds talking about non-inverting feedback and stuff like that um Whenever, you ha- whenever you're making distortion or clipping is really what it is, imagine this sine wave. You know what a sine wave is, right? It looks like mm-hmm. you know, up mm-hmm. and down, up and down, a bunch of bell curves. As you're clipping it, you're kind of clipping off the top. So you're like, all right, this is a hard, a hard area. We're not getting any louder. We're going we're gonna to try, but we can't. So we're going to raise that up raise the sine wave up, but we're going to clip off the tops. That way it's, uh, you know, it's going to sound like distortion. So that's clamping it, clamping that signal, which is also kind of a type of compression, but that's completely different than having a compressor pedal. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, but you can have a gigantic amount of compression on something and there's still be no clipping at all. It's just, that's very true. It makes every, you know, this, the, the quietest passages, very loud and the very loudest passages, very quiet and it just evens everything out without clipping. So, and I know that's confusing to some people because yes, it is a type of compression, but you know, it's, it's not, it's not boosting that lower frequency necessarily. And it's not trying to keep the cleanliness of the sound just at a quieter volume. It's just like nope, hard level. Take it, you know. It's like getting a, um, hmm, get like a buzz cut on top of your head. You know, you still got hair mm-hmm. there. We're just taking off, taking off straight line. We're just gonna clip some of that off. Versus a compressor pedal would kind of be like pushing someone down. So they're they if they were six foot tall, they're now kind of hunched over a little bit, and they're five ten. That's so, probably a bad analogy, but that's the way it I'm, sounds I'm I'm right still my head.
1: a little bit confused though because like it I think what you're saying is dirt pedals are compressing but not in the same way that a compressor does. But like as far as a player's concerned, I've always I've I've said the same statement before like I don't really use a compressor cuz I'm generally playing with so much dirt like I get enough compression from that as it is. I'm, I'm thinking specifically of like big muff circuits, at least as far as they feel. I don't know what they're actually doing. They feel very compressed to me. They, they increase a lot of sustain. They do a lot of the, excuse me, they seem to do a lot of the same things that a compressor does as well as clipping the circuit. Is that accurate to say mm-hmm. or no?
0: Bits and portions. So for example, with a big muff style circuit, you are increasing gain. Right. You're getting a ton of gain in there. So those quiet parts are now boosted up because you're giving it more gain. You're giving it more volume, so to speak, all the Mm -hmm. way across the board. So, yes, those quieter parts are boosted up somewhat, but the loudest parts instead of being pushed down and still saying still staying nice and clean, well, you've got not only the transistor that's clipping, but also some diodes in there that are clipping. And so now you're distorting that sine wave. It's turning more and more square. Um, sorry, I looked at a phone call real quick. And I'm like, someone's calling me. Hope it's not an emergency. Um, so it's not the quite the same thing. It compresses, and let's, so let's, compare this with a compressor pedal there's all different types of compressor pedals as well so let's start with like a, a studio type of like 1176 compression okay okay your 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 uh, your your quietest parts depending how you set it they can still stay pretty quiet but when you really hit into it when you really hit that chord Rather than distorting again, depending how you have it set, it might just take that very loud spike and push it down where it still sounds nice and clean, it's just not as loud. And so, then to compensate, you can turn off turn up the overall volume, which now kind of makes it sound like the quieter parts are louder and the louder parts are still quieter because you are compressing those louder parts. But it's it's kind of a trick. In a in a way, and I'm greatly oversimplifying this, but that's the heart, the easiest way to think of it. Versus something like um, like a Dynacomp, which is, I mean, you're still going to have that overall volume there, but it's kind of upward compressing, meaning it's listening for those, it's listening for the. Um, I think of the way to put it's actually doing it with voltage, but. It's harder to think of in terms of guitar player playing. So the quieter parts that you're playing, it is going to boost that up and the spikes, it's going to try to squash that down. Um, it's not as nearly, it's not like really linear. It's not, that's a bad word to use. It's not, it's not quite as efficient as a, a, a quote unquote Great compressor, great studio style compressor would be. Mm-hmm. So, if you've played like a DynaComp, you you might hear like kind of like a well. Some people say that sounds really like a chicken pickin' type of tone, and it's because it's just not that efficient in grabbing that first peak of that note necessarily. Not very quick, so to speak, um, and so that has a very specific sound and. You can get a little bit of dirt from it, but it's not going to f- distort or fuzz up nearly as much as a dry pedal. Some of that dirt and distortion is actually just from that first chip that the sound is going through. It's like, ah, there's too much signal. What do I do with it? I guess we'll just distort it a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a function of inefficiency. But it's a sound, and it's a sound that a lot of people identify with compression and guitar pedals um you know it's 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 something that i've noticed whenever and something that really messed with me a lot going from using compressor compression pedals to now i'm using my daw and i'm trying to mix stuff down and i'm like oh well everyone says to use compression so i need to throw a bunch of compression on all these tracks i was using it completely wrong and it took me watching uh, a, a lot of what's my favorite channel musicians on a mission, I think is one of my favorite uh, Daw channels, or at least about home recording and stuff like that. And it's, it's just a completely different way of using compression. You're not necessarily trying to get that squash. You're just trying to get some fatness and even things out a little bit versus using it as an actual effect, which you still can do. I mean, you know if you use a bunch of compression on a bait, on a kick drum or a snare like all these things you want to use compression in different ways different rates of attack different release times different thresholds all this all these technical parameters that you're not necessarily going to want to use on guitar you can um what's it the Keeley I think it's the Pro Compressor does that sound right uh they got
1: the um, okay, not well the compressor plus is like there that's main the one. one. And the and one we got the, the compressor pro I think was the bigger, fancier version.
0: Yes. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yep. So, okay. um and I really love that pedal. It's, it's a great sounding compressor based on a, a chip made by a company called that T H A T. I'm sure that's an acronym of something. I don't know off the top of my head what it stands for, but it's so like we call it a that compressor. I know that's, Kind of weird, but that's what we call it, and it's just a—it's a really great sounding. It is more of a studio style compression, uh, I, and I've heard people say, "Oh, but it, you know, I'm not hearing the squash," and it's because you're not really supposed to. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, I mean, right? <laughs> you can get that—you could get that from it somewhat, but it's going to be completely different than that Dynacomp circuit or or like the standard Keeley compressor. It's going to be completely—it's a totally different type of compression. So, um, and in fact, I remember when he first came out with it, a lot of people were saying, I want a clean blend. And, and I remember seeing uh, Robert or someone that works for him saying, but the point that this type of compression, you don't need that clean blend. That's because of, it's not, it's, it's not that it's not an OTA compressor or it's not an optical compressor. It's, it it's, you can change the, the, uh, the, um, the speed and the release time and the threshold and get that clean signal back in. And, Generally as a comment, but, but I but I want the clean blend. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: he did not- end up putting a blend on the compressor plus, but it's not I don't think it's a hundred percent. I think it's like starts at like twenty-five percent or ten percent or something. And- I can't remember. I don't think it goes a hundred percent clean.
0: Isn't the I compressor plus that's the original Keely based off the original Keely compressor, though, right?
1: Yes, and I don't really like compressors all that much, but I that one I really like. So that's an OTA
0: compressor, which is loosely based off the Dynacomp or Ross circuit. So completely, still completely, totally different type of compression. Oh, boy. All this (laughs) compressor talk.
1: (laughs) So I do have a question regarding dirt pedals and compressors. What is the... So they both have the capability of increasing sustain. And compressors, I think I understand, do that because they are making the quiet parts louder and therefore you're going to hear them for a longer amount of time. That's the way I understand it. Depending on the type
0: of compression circuit, yes.
1: Right. So what is it about, for example, the Big Muff that increases the sustain so much? Is it just because it's pumping so much gain? Is that the deal?
0: You just got tons of gain going on there. Yeah, so it's whatever sound is going through there. It's going to try to pump it up like crazy. It's going to increase the gain all the way across the spectrum, Um, which is honestly, if you, I mean, I'm sure you've heard people say, but my big muff is so noisy. Mm, Maybe, but more than likely your signal chain has a little tiny bit of noise in it. And that pedal has so much gain that it's like, all right, we'll boost the hell out of everything. And yeah, right. so, including the noise, right? That's, and that's just what's going on. It's just boosting everything across the board. And you may have a little bit of, you know, without that pedal on, you probably can't even hear much noise at all, but that pedal has so much gain into it. And I'm talking mathematical gain, not necessarily like it, It's not a metal pedal, you know, not necessarily like, um, uh, you know, super ridiculously high distortion. You know, we're going to start playing Pantera licks now. Um, not necessarily like that even though it does have a pretty good amount of gain. It's kind of like the fuzz face, a lot of people think that um well it would assume that a fuzz face being a fuzz has a gigantic amount of gain and it and it really kind of does, but it doesn't have a tremendous amount of clipping going on. It's got some for sure, but it's not stupidly ridiculous high gained fuzz sounds.
1: Yeah, cuz that is I'm getting out of my getting out of my pay grade here, but that circuit is just compressing or not compressing, but it's clipping transistors. There's not like clipping diodes in a fuzz face, right?
0: Correct. There is no diodes in that. It's just um, a couple transistors that it's trying to increase the gain all the time. Like it's it's saying, "Do we hear any? Is there any sound coming through? Let's boost that up. If there's anything, let's boost it up and all the way." Yeah, it all yeah, the way as much as we can with within the limits of this the the uh the specs on these transistors so
1: which is why a fuzz face circuit being so simple is very sensitive to transistor swaps
0: very much because there's with transistors um in the specs it'll each each one has like it's called a gain but you're probably thinking of it a little differently. Basically, if it's a low gain transistor, um, it may not boost the, boost the voltage as much as a high gain transistor for sure. But as far as guitar, as far as this circuit in a, in a pedal goes, sometimes that's actually a good thing because you really, with any sort of circuitry, you're really controlling gain and EQ between every, every step of the way. So, by using a lower gain type of transistor, it actually can sound a little better uh, with a little bit less noise without losing the the properties of that fuzz, uh, of the distortion quality of the fuzz, I guess you could say. That's about as simply as I can explain it.
1: Yeah, well, it really helped me understand some of this stuff better, not from like a pedal, well, I guess sort of from a pedal design perspective. I've never designed a pedal, but it's actually the thing that led to the Fezzorosha's Typhon project that I plugged last time I was on here, which they're all sold out, by the way. Thank you, everybody. You guys were great. Fantastic. Um, yes, I, I, I was stoked. I think people are really going to like it. But I think I explained this in various places on the internet, but I don't know if I talked about it here. The reason we did that pedal was because I got all of my pedals that i knew to be a very variation of the lpb1 the linear power booster circuit sure and knowing this is that's just like a single transistor simple as it gets boost yeah that's like you and look I, up
0: the schematic for a transistor and that's in the data sheet <laughs> <yes>. basically <laughs> yeah.
1: so i got all the pedals that i i knew in my collection were were based on that I lined them all up and just saw what they did when you slammed them into each other. And you get some really cool textures out of that and really interesting sounds. And that's what led to the Typhon. And we did some other stuff in there too, including the tone controls and transistor swaps and blah, 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 blah. But that's what it was based on, was a bunch of single transistor gain circuits destroying each other.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've done some of that before, just like prototypes and stuff. And that's a cool sound, much different than a... Um, a big muff or a fuzz face or a tone bender. I mean, it's just a different style of, of fuzz quality, I guess you could say, but it's a really cool sound and it feels really cool too under, under the fingers.
1: Yeah. And it also, when you line them up like that, what you get is an incredible amount of variation. Oh yes. Like just depending on how hard you hit, hit each stage, you can have a, a clean boost all the way up to just the most disgusting fuzz you've ever heard. So right. it's pretty fun.
0: Right, and what you're doing there, I mean without really knowing it, is you're controlling EQ and gain between each stage. Mhm. So that's, you yeah. know, which is compression,
1: back- I guess, in a weird way.
0: Yeah. And compression, yeah, you really are changing that compression, the, the the clipping because if you if you let's say you have three stages, if you flood the, you know, full throttle gain all the way throughout, it can actually sound pretty nasty, pretty bad. Uh, mm-hmm. or pretty good, depending if that, maybe you're wanting that type of sound. Maybe it's exactly what you want, but generally with circuits, you're saying, okay, well, we're not going to give it as much gain as we could possibly get. We need to control some things here. Like, we don't want, we, we need to control a little bit of bottom, bottom end so it doesn't it lose some articulation, but we don't want too much high end because we don't want radio frequencies coming through stuff like that. So yeah, you are you're uh and plus with with transistors, the output impedance of each stage is not like super low. It's a little high comparatively, generally for most transistors that we use. So that actually affects a lot of uh a lot of the high end EQ as well. Lots of stuff going on there. Lots of stuff going on.
1: Yeah. Lots. Well, for being a simple design, there's a lot of lot of uh there there are so many sounds, and that's what really you know, drew us to the project. It was like, well, we can make this do so many things. It's It really turned out fun. Yeah,
0: that sounds like a cool pedal. You should uh, let me borrow one. Oh, okay. I can do that. No, yeah. I I would, uh, I would enjoy playing through one. You know what? I could buy one if you had any.
1: I don't. <laughs> so you're going to have to borrow one. <laughs> nah. We sold, we sold them all except for my, the personal ones that Ryan and I both hang on, hung on to.
0: I'll take one of those. That's fine. You can just sell that to me sell that to you? Okay. <laughs> oh,
1: that's fine. You serial number
0: 001. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Well, that's, a, that's probably a good place to call it quits for this week. Good episode. 36 minutes or so. Good,
1: 36 good minutes of mostly on-topic discussion. What are we doing with ourselves yeah, I over here? No, it's time to change the name of the podcast. You know. Oh, man. We can't be. People are not going to know what to do if we start staying on
0: topic this much. <laughs> <laughs> all right so to everyone listening thanks for listening to the chasing tone podcast as always if you have any comments questions or concern you can e- you can reach me directly at podcast at to email blake you can reach him directly at info at tonemob.com. and if you'd like to show your support for the show if you like this podcast just simply share it with your friends bandmates your bandmates friends others into guitar podcasts so uh make sure to also make sure to check out blake's podcast called the tone mob and if you're feeling really ambitious maybe even check out walter thanks for listening we'll talk to you next week